Welcome again to Ask. I'm Pastor Jamie. Good questions on the docket. Is that what you say? Docket? I think so. All right. Where do I stand on speaking in tongues? Were our founding fathers Christians or actually deists? And another question I forget about, but you'll we'll get to it. All right. All right. Wait until after this introduction and we'll get to ask. All right, welcome once again. This is where you submit questions. I try to answer them as best I can. This is questions about the Bible, but also could be just like last week, uh, someone asked, you know, what would you ask Jesus if you could interview him? You know, it's a great question. So maybe about life or faith or situation you're in even. Um, can, you don't have to leave your, your name, so we don't even know who you are. So if it's a sticky situation, you want to know what, what, what maybe you should do from a biblical standpoint, love those questions, okay? So uh, just go to cornerstonebv.org, go to the media page, drop down ask and then put in your question okay all right first question for this week is hello pastor jamie and steve steve of course behind the camera i do think you are doing outstanding work with the ask series okay enough with the pleasantries i recently read that most of our founding fathers were deists can you elaborate on what deism is so um deism is that you believe there's an you believe in the existence of a creator so a god uh, of some sort um, but it's, he doesn't interfere. So he sort of has created everything, created us, right? He's the source of creation. And he's kind of just laid it all out there. And then he's just sort of aloof or doesn't interfere uh, in our lives, right? So therefore, prayer is not really effectual and, and all that. Um, sort of ex- explains creation, but gets rid of most other religious beliefs. Um, it's really the first step towards atheism. Uh, it's kind of uh, akin to agnosticism, right? Yeah, I think there's something, not really sure, right? So those things developed later on, but deism was sort of that first step from really most cultures, most people throughout world history have a religious belief. Why? Because it's obvious. Here we are. Nothing is here without being created. So. Who created us. Nobody makes zero sense, but that's what we teach in schools today. Um, but that's not the question, so let me get back on track. Um, that's what deism is, and um, our founding, it is true, a lot of our founding fathers, it's, it's assumed they were Christians. Um, they, they weren't. If you look at uh, George Washington, most likely a deist, uh, that's a question though. He at times said he was a Christian, but a lot of people don't believe he was. Um, so, not sure, I have to find out someday. Uh, Jefferson, uh, Ben Franklin, definitely deists. Uh, uh, Madison and Monroe, probably. John Adams was more of a Trinity. Uh, was more of a Unitarian Universalist, which is again, not good, uh, but a little bit closer than, uh, than, than deism. Um, so here's the thing with that. The idea, because people throw this around, especially Christians I know, that we need to go back to being a Christian nation. Like it's a falsehood. Um, that the people came on the, you know, the Mayflower and it was one of the big reasons was for religious purposes. And so we had lots of, of Christians, sure, um, but the, the, the men who wrote most of our documents they, they, some were Christians, definitely. I mean, not, not, not that all of them weren't, but a lot of them were not. Um, but they did believe and hold to some form of there is a God, there is someone over us, there is someone bigger than us, better than us, 
and so that, and, and they really still held to Judeo-Christian values. Uh, so they, they, they saw morality as very important. And, and so that's why a lot of our documents are so good and have, le- have, have done well for us for so long because of that. Um, because if you look at civilizations, forgetting about whether the, the whole Christian issue is as long as, as a civilization, you or a country or a people group, as long as you ascribed some religion or philosophy to which it isn't about you and you sacrifice for some kind of greater good, you usually do pretty well. So that has in the past been God or it's been family, so I'm willing to die so my family can be better, or my country itself, right? I'm World War II generation, right? It's like I'm, I'm risking my life for the betterment because I believe in our country. And, and, and whether or not the country is good or not, that helps because people are selfless. As soon as you enter an age of selfism, uh, which is a made up word, but I like it. Uh, I don't like it, but I like using the word, um, which is, I believe, where we are today, your, your nation crumbles. Um, if, if I believe it's okay for me, you should be okay with it. It's not, sac- it's not me willing to sacrifice for you. It's me expecting you to sacrifice for me. This destroys you from within. It's what is happening. It's what will happen unless God radically does something to change that. Um, again, I know that's not the question that was asked, but that's why you're saying, why are things so bad? That's why we are in the age of selfism. Um, if I believe that I'm a go, you have to uh, uh, approve it um, and and you have nothing to say about it. Instead of me saying, even if I feel like a goat, it's not really healthy for my family or society for me. So I need to figure out a way to, to squash those feelings of goathood that I have. I need to think bigger than just me. But that's not how in general our society is operating right now. So we're in a lot of trouble, but God is good. Christ will come back. And so the church will survive regardless of what happens to our culture. Okay, Uh, second, where do you stand on speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, and or praying in the spirit? Uh, So interpreting uh, the whole idea of tongues, if you've never heard of it, there's this idea, especially coming from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13 and and especially 14 as well, um, is is this idea of the sign gifts which they're given, miracles, uh, prophecy, uh, speaking in tongues. And so um, there seems to be, and there's a lot of, confusion and a lot of debate over what exactly tongues were. Uh, Is it a special prayer language or or is it something that you actually like in Pentecost? Hear me speak in your tongue. Um, There seems to be this idea of I speak in a tongue and there's someone who understands it and can translate it. Um, And so those gifts, which are clear biblically, were given. are they for today? And if so, how does that sort of play out? Uh, and so there's really two common camps amongst evangelical Christians. There are the continuists, which simply believe that the sign gifts that I just mentioned are as much for today as they were for the first generation of Christians, that God gives gifts of prophecy, which is not, we think of prophecy as always future telling. It's more often than not 
foretelling, right? You're telling of God's truth and warning often what's going to happen if we don't listen to God. Um, and so there's prophecy and then there's some miraculous events, something that goes beyond our normal nature, right? A major healing or uh, a miracle within nature, things like that that you see in scripture. Um, and then this idea of speaking in tongues. And, and so they, the continuous believes that, that, yeah, that in some sense that still is given today. The big problem comes with the abuse of that. And, and there are many continuous who abhor the abuses. The abuse of speaking in tongues is that uh, it is taught in some circles that every Christian to achieve some type of, of spirit-filled uh, event needs to speak in tongues. This is clearly refuted by Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he said, do all work miracles? Do all speak in tongues? No. So if it's a common event that should happen to every Christian, Paul would be wrong there. We know that scripture, so he's not. So, so the, the continuous that are abusive, they're actually um, using tongues in a way that should never be used as a earmark for some kind of extra special Christian power um, instead of a gift that God maybe gave you for whatever purpose that he gave that for you. Now, the other camp is a cessationist. Those are, those, those are believers who think um, or ascribe to the fact that the sign gifts were for the apostles in their age. They didn't have the Bible yet. They were our Bible. They were with Jesus. They handed down the right the truth of God were inspired by God to write it or someone under them or they knew about wrote it. And, and so they needed the signs and wonders of the miracle gifts um, or the sign gifts to show that it was the right message, that it was true. But that's not necessary today. Um, um, and so for me personally, I would loosely hold to continuism just simply because um, I don't see any biblical reason to say these these gifts have ceased. Is it possible? Yeah, I think that the cessationists make a pretty good argument. Most of their argument is around the abuses and, and, and saying they're wrong and it's like yes they are wrong but that doesn't mean does that mean God has not has not given us those gifts for today. I don't see anywhere in scripture where it lays that out but again I loosely hold to that and still believe God can gift in those areas but the abuses have really done damage to souls and so be very, very careful about a, uh, uh, of really pursuing emotional uh, reactions to God as, as the foundation of your life. Instead, God's word, prayer, worship, and if he gives you one of those gifts, there will be a good purpose for it and praise God that he did. All right, thirdly, Back in the day, it was okay for men to have many wives and concubines, yet it's not allowed today's culture. Did God change the rules for those years to now? Um, you didn't leave your name, hoping you're not a guy looking for another wife, but uh, probably not. The, the original design for marriage, going all the way back to Genesis, Adam and Eve, was one woman, one man, God brings them together, one flesh, right? It's a miracle of God. There's still two individuals, but he brings them back, brings them together. And so nowhere does it say, oh yeah, now man and another wife and another wife. 
And so never God's design. And when you see uh, uh, men marrying multiple wives in the Old Testament, I can't think of a good example of where it worked. It's always a problem. It's always a because it's not how God designed it. So the rules that God gave around it were more to protect, especially women who didn't have a lot of rights, right, if they're not like over their husband and their culture. And so he really, really wanted to make sure women were protected. So he never said, hey, great plan. He's saying, when you do this thing, which is not his original design, we know that it's not his original design from the New Testament, right? It's taught one woman, one man, one wife, one husband, and, and how to operate within that relationship. Uh, and, and so there, I don't think the rules were changed. I think Jesus and the New Testament, New Covenant reinvigorates what God's original design was. Okay? All right. This has been asked. Hopefully uh, you'll ask your questions and see them in a coming episode. And uh, in the meantime, hopefully we'll see you in our gatherings this Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 11. See you then.